Pain works on a sliding scale So does pleasure in a candy jail True love doesn't come around Any more than fate allows On a Monday in Fort Lauderdale I came all this way to see your grave To see your life is written paraphrase I have tried the it is written What's happening, people? Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here. As always, it's Saturday. So, as always, we're talking DFS. Um, trying to keep my streak alive of playing relevant music at the top of the show. Uh, that was the Silver Jews with Candy Jail. Pain works on a sliding scale. So does pleasure when you're in a candy jail. And I think Upside works a little bit on a sliding scale this week. Um because we have got so many good games. It's really important to understand, as I said a couple, well, maybe a month ago or so, um, you know, this is a big sky kind of board where you can find a lot of different things where you could convince yourself this is the best play. I just strongly suggest that you work through as many, uh, you know, uh, as many of your potential options as you can before you start making declarations like that. I think this is a week where... You could easily get smitten by one game, build a bunch of lineups off it, and not just spend enough attention looking at the rest of the board. Um, this is also a week where we've got a lot of value opening up. And I think it's important not to get too intoxicated on the value. If you put too many value plays in your lineup, you definitely start to hit your ceiling. You start to whack it down. So y- you can go a couple different ways on that. You can mix and match. You can pick the pieces you like the most. But you know, putting you know four paydown guys in your lineup to get to four you know upside guys that you love, I think you have to be careful about doing it this week. I'm not saying you can't do that on one of your lineups if you're building a bunch of them. But you know, um, the more condensed you tend to be, I think the more dangerous um, something like that can be. So we want to find a way to mix and match all this good stuff. We've got some phenomenal game environments, but relatively speaking, right? That's where we get back to this candy jail thing. You know, we look at the, you know, there've been, there were a couple weeks where it's like, man, this Seattle, Arizona game would have just been the tonic we were begging for. But on a week like this, you've got all of these games that are over 50, um, on the combined implied point totals, the over-unders. It is not hard to find good in, good game environments this week. So we have to get back to the things we've been working on. We need to keep our greed as high as it can be. We want floor, but we want ceiling with it. We want to do everything we can to increase our odds with stacks, correlations. We want to be bringing players back whenever possible. But by the same token, we don't want to be such a slave to that thinking that we pass up on some great plays here and there, right? You know, an example would be like the Buffalo Jet game. I love the Buffalo half of that for GPPs. I'm struggling, even though the Bills are getting crushed on defense and the Jets are getting a little healthier, I'm having trouble coming up with a Jet I really want to bring back. So sometimes you don't want to just force the bring back if you can't find something, right? Um, I just built a team and I was doing a stack where I used Allen um, and I used Diggs and I used Gabriel Davis. And then I didn't bring back a Jet. I... I, I I just brought back Terry McLaurin from another game. But um, it, it, I, I guess the point to make there is that I still tried, right? Um, I think as much as possible, we want to eliminate the number of things we need to get right. And I think that's especially true on a slate where there's so many things you might get distracted by. There are a lot of shiny objects out there this week, okay? Um, so... You know, normally I do sort of a slate walk on this show, and I'm going to do a brief slate walk, and then I'm going to get into some other things. The slate walk is going to be, I think, not really the most important part today, but I just want to sort of work quickly through the slate, talk about the game environments a little bit, uh, and then get into sort of a, you know, a more specific um, you know, er- you know, specific kind of talk about, you know, exactly who I plan to play and um, this week one good thing about this week and I'm sorry you can you can probably hear my voice a little bit but uh, I got a little sick and uh, you know I didn't talk about it on Twitter because quite frankly at first I was a little nervous Um, my daughter had been sick last week and um, it was not COVID and I guess maybe I got something from her I don't know Um, I barely leave the house I don't know where I would have gotten sick from other than that Um, but I was you know pretty much on the sofa Wednesday uh, Thursday and Friday. Thankfully, I've got a good laptop, so the rankings got done. Um, and I was able, actually, to spend a lot of time sort of from a different angle. Um, 
So I actually have made a lot of lineups, which normally isn't the case when I record the pod. And I, I wish it could be the case. I wish I had that one extra day. Um, so anyway, let's get through this slate walk, and then we're going to have a couple little areas that I want to discuss. Okay, first up, uh, we're going to look at, uh, and this is one of the big games, uh, Detroit at Falcons. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be looking at this slate. I can just tell by, you know, based on what I, you know, just the general chatter on Twitter, I can, you, you can sort of feel it that the, the Seattle... Arizona, Seattle at Arizona game is going to be sort of the the game the is going to, the the whole slate is going to sort of be seen through the prism of that game. Okay, sorry that was tough to get out, but it's out. Um, and the more I've looked at that game, the more I'm seeing reasons to fade it. Um, and of course, they moved the game to the late spot and kept it on the slate. So. Well, we're going to get to that later, but I, some of these other games to me become very important because any way that you can find to pivot away from that game effectively, I think, you know, just in terms of game theory, I think it could really help you because I just it just feels like so many people want to try to get that game right. Anyway, so, you, you know, look, you've got Detroit here. And again, the, the Seattle-Arizona game is a good game, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, you know, I'm looking at this game where the road team has got an implied point total over 26. The home team is almost at 27, right? Detroit at Atlanta. So right off the bat, we like that. Atlanta, pretty good against the run. Might be able to scare Detroit further away from Peterson. We saw more Swift last week. Maybe that could happen even a little bit further this week because Swift fits sort of the the paradigm you want to attack Atlanta with, which is pass-catching running backs, Right? So I think Swift is in play, first of all, in this game. Just as a general statement, I think Swift is in play this week. Now, 5,400, there are a lot cheaper backs out there. You know, and that's another thing we'll get to later. But I want to I get involved in this game. I don't know, and, and the interesting thing here is I may not use the quarterbacks. I may just use the other pieces and create game stacks without quarterbacks. Although probably what I will do is have a couple Stafford lineups. I love Stafford in this matchup. Because, I mean, Atlanta's just been, just they've just been getting crushed um, by the past all year. So the Stafford-Galladay stack with one other player. And then the other, the, the, the beautiful thing about this game is you want to play your Lions. It's really easy to bring back Falcons because you know they're going to be getting fast volume. Now you do have to pay for it. Um, which I mean, in the end, that could be the thing that scares people off this game is they like the they like the pricing on the Detroit side, and then they get the Atlanta side, and it's like, well, you know, Julio and Ridley both sort of priced up, I mean, not crazy up, but up. Um, which leads me to one other thing, you know, if you're really into like if you're trying to hit the Millie, I could see Ridley be in the play here just because every you know Julio with the big game cheaper than Ridley. I just want to come back, and people just take Julio because he's cheaper. Um, so if you can find a way to pay for Ridley without hurting yourself as a comeback in a Detroit stack, if you're in a, if you're in a large field GPP, uh, I, I could see that being sort of a sharp move. Um, but really, I want to try to stack this game uh, in a couple of different ways. I want a lot of exposure to this game. Like I said, even if I'm not using the quarterbacks, this is a game I want to I want to try to you know take some pieces from. Um, and, the, you know, Swift would sort of be a, a good example of a piece you could use just because if Swift really hits, he could screw the game up a little bit for some of the other some of the other players. Um, so I'm, un, you know, I'm, un, I'm unafraid to say do Stafford, Galladay, Hawkinson or Stafford, Galladay, Swift. I, I, I sort of like both of those ideas. You bring it back with a Falcon. Uh, not super cheap. Now, that's, you know, that's sort of where this game becomes a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, tougher to deal with. Um, moving down, um, I, by the way, I don't really see either of the defenses there as being palatable to me. Um, Browns at Bengals. Now, this is, I think, an important game. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not stacking it from the Mayfield side. Um, I think stacking from the Burrow side is interesting just because Burrow is down. I think people might be off of him this week. Um, He's got some pieces, you know. Higgins is 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 well priced, and and Boyd is well priced. Um, you know that could be a way to sort of. I mean, the Geo Chalk I think is going to be there. Uh, now, how chalky Geo is going to be, we're going to get to this later. I don't know. I mean, certainly, he's going to be heavily owned. 
Uh, but he's not alone in that cheap running back with potential volume area. Um, but I do think, you know, given that Cleveland's a road favorite here, um, if Cleveland comes in and does well, then Cincinnati's going to be chasing, and the defense, you know, the Cleveland defense can be beaten, particularly through the air right now. Having said that, I sort of like the Browns' defense because I can get them so cheap. And uh, with the weak offensive line, Burrow could have a big game and still help the defense against him score plenty of points. Like, that's not out of the realm at all. Um, on the Cleveland side, I mean, Hunt is just, like, to me, he's just blinking green at 68 against this defense in a game where they could conceivably gain control and he could get a lot of volume. So Hunt is definitely going to be a player. I'm going to be fighting to keep myself from being like 80% Hunt. Um, I'm going to be like fighting to keep that percentage at a place where it won't kill me if he gets hurt or something. Um, knock on wood, I've got Hunt in my seasonals. Um, and then on the Cleveland side, look, I think some limited exposure to Beckham. Like if I'm doing Cincinnati game stacks, if I do if I do two Burrow game stacks, I might bring back with Hunt on one, but then... If you're playing sort of a shootout game, I think bringing it back with Beckham makes sense. Um, and then the thin piece in this game is Njoku at 3K. Um, you've got Hooper out due to an appendectomy. So, um, you know, Bryant and Njoku will be splitting the job. Now, Njoku wants a trade. He's been clamoring for it. We all know that. Um, so could this be a situation where with, you know, with their starting tight end out, with Njoku now healthy... Um, maybe he sees some extra targets because they're trying to show him off for a potential trade. Um, so I think some, you know, some, some limited exposure to Njoku could make some sense. Um, if you want to, you know, work him into a game stack here, that might be a good way to do it. Um, but I mean, the, the big things to know about Browns Bengals, Hunt's a great running back play on the Brown side. Gio is really important to know about this week. I mean, you got to be thinking about Gio. Even if you're not using him in a lineup, you need to at least consider him pretty much in every single one. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. This, this game is compelling as a football game, obviously. You can see the smile on my face right now. I just As, as a football fan, you look at this game and it's exciting. Um, over 50 for Vegas. You've obviously got the Pittsburgh defense, phenomenal defense. The Now, this game got a little more interesting when we found out that Taylor Lewin is out for Tennessee. So now you've got one of the best pass rushes going, going up against a team that just lost a stud left tackle. So that's something to think about. And then on the other side, Bush, Devin Bush, is out for the Steelers. Inside linebacker, one of the, one of the keys to their run defense, calls plays for them. So that's a big deal. Will Pittsburgh's defense be a little bit looser just because they're going through leadership changes, right? So those are two very interesting sort of things that popped up, one on each side of the ball during the week, which and these things have a huge effect on how this thing could play out. And they could they could each have an effect on how each team chooses to play. We may see more Derrick Henry because of Bush. We may see, and the combined, right, their inability to protect and an attackable way to run conceivably. But having said that, the thing about this game that I keep coming back to is, yes, there's some good defense here on the Pittsburgh side particularly, although we did just see that there's a little bit of a loosening there. We don't know how much, but there's some. But we're looking for games that could go off. Well, these are two great offenses, and Tennessee has performed at a very high level against some good defenses. And we know Pittsburgh can play against anybody, and Tennessee's got some looseness on the defensive side of the ball anyway. So to me, this is a game where I don't, I'm not going to build my week around it, but I'm not going to run away from it. And to me, it's sort of the fourth game on the slate. It's the one that people might run away from because there's defense, um, because both of these teams have an ugly kind of reputation. But at the same time, you've got some really good offensive talent in this game. So on the Pittsburgh side, I think Connor at 6,700 is an interesting pivot to some of these RBs that'll be more chalky. Like, if you think this game is going to be really predictable, Pittsburgh's going to win it, even though they're on the road, then Connor would be, I think, a strong play. 
on the other side, if you think this game is going to become competitive and it's going to go back and forth, and God, I mean, think about it. You've got things on each side that are just sort of, I mean, this is really a strength meets strength situation. You have Big Ben and, and, and Tannehill, and you've got Derrick Henry, and you've got all these monster receivers on the Pittsburgh side. So, you know, it's a week where everybody's talking about all these low-priced guys. Deontay Johnson's at 4,200. He's healthy. Well, he lost his role. Did he? I don't know if he did. He may have. Some of it. So, I think Claypool at 5,700. The guy's got like five touchdowns in the last two weeks. That guy's got to be in play, right? Deontay at 42. He's got to be in play. I don't know how much I'm going to use him, but they've got to be considered in play. They're on my list of available plays. Moving over to the other side of the ball... Obviously, people are going to be thinking about Derrick Henry. Could go low-owned. People trying not to chase last week's points. Pittsburgh's a good defense. Henry costs a lot of money. But to me, that Bush thing is a factor. I think I'm going to probably dip my toe in the water a little bit with Henry. I don't think he's going to be a big part of my weekly plan, but he'll be in there. And then A.J. Brown practiced on Friday. He's back. Pittsburgh has given up some some significant wide receiver production this year. So this is a game, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to have Roethlisberger or Tannehill lineups, but I definitely think I could do some, you know, pick a, pick a guy from each side and, you know, do little mini stacks on top of my, some of my other stacks from this game. And it's there's no doubt this is not a game that I will run away from. Um, if I'm going to do a QB in this game, probably Roethlisberger. I'm not sure. Neither one of these QBs is really on my list this week in terms of playing the QB. But this game, I think, is a game um, it makes sense to be involved in. Uh, moving down, a game where I think a lot of people want to be involved. Um, Carolina at the Saints. Now, bunch of stuff on this game. Uh, Davis is going to be a chalky running back on the Carolina side. We all know why. He gets a ton of targets. I think DJ Moore is in play um, for sure. I think Robbie Anderson at 6K, really good play. But here's where I'm a little concerned about this game. Carolina completes passes. The Saints, I think, are going to run a lot. The Saints are a team that attacks your weaknesses. This is particularly true when they've got weaknesses of their own to defend. Okay, the Saints are going to be coming in without Manny Sanders and without Michael Thomas this time. Let's not even get into the Thomas thing. It's too depressing. But the Saints are a smart team. You've got a smart quarterback and a smart OC. They sort of have a mind meld. They know what they're doing. And... What does you know? What do the Saints have? They've got two really good running backs. They're in a must-win game. They're home, and they're playing the Panthers, who can't stop anybody on the ground. Gurley lit these guys up on the ground, right? So this opens up some potential problems because. The first thing you're going to think is, oh, I'm just going to play Kamara, game over, easy. The problem is, in a game like this, two things. First of all, I think Kamara will do really well. I don't think there's any question Kamara's going to have a good game. But, because they want to run a lot, because Carolina just can't stop the run, I think we have to worry about Latavius Murray. We have to worry about Murray. He's the thing that can kill Kamara. So, A, I would be careful not to, like, play 10 out of 10 Kamara lineups. Because I know some people, that's going to be their attitude going into this week. I think some exposure, mid-level, medium, you know. I mean, for me, if I make 10 lineups, I think maybe 4 or 5 will be Kamara lineups. Maybe not that much. I'm making more lineups than that this week, so that's probably a stupid number to throw out there and I mean yeah I, I already have 10 lineups I'm gonna have more it's gonna be like 16 to 20 lineups this, this week all right and I definitely want to have some Kamara I because he could absolutely go crazy here and I don't want to be caught with no Kamara shares on a day where he could go for 40 points 
but I think it's a lot more likely that he goes for 20. And the reason that can happen, and I know there's no way I'm the only person saying this. Well, I know I'm not because I've heard at least one other version say this. Um, look at it from the perspective of how does Kamara fail. He doesn't fail because the Saints fail, I don't think. He fails, and again, when I say fail, I'm talking about from a standpoint of getting the number you need based on what you paid. He fails because touchdowns and, say, 30, 40, 50% of the ground yards go to Latavius Murray. Now, I went in and I looked at the playing time for Murray and Kamara, and over the last couple games, they have spent some time on the field together, particularly... In their sixth game, no, their fifth game, which was, uh, whatever, it, it, two games ago for them. Uh, last week, I think about four snaps. I think the game before that, about eight, if I'm not mistaken. But now, we're looking at a game where you want to run. And it's a game you need to win. And not only are you down Michael Thomas, you're down Sanders. So really, the only receiver that they really trust is Traquan Smith and maybe Cook a little bit. But Cook is more of a... Cook is a, a guy who works off of other pieces. He's not a guy who does it on his own, really. Especially not at this stage. So the Saints really need to make it happen on the ground, and then I think they, they work the pass game off the ground game in a matchup like this. I think that's what's going to happen. So... You can look at you can sort of go about this in two ways. You can you can just do a, a a partial fade of Kamara like what I'm talking about, and then you're not, you know, in with both feet. But you could use a reasonable amount of Latavius Murray too. It I don't think you have enough upside to use him in the same lineup, particularly because this game I think is going to feature a lot of running and a lot of running clock. So this game could shorten, which is the other reason I sort of am a little bit. Like, I'm not jumping into this game, putting a ton of stuff in it. And I'm off Breeze. Like, I was on Breeze. The more I look at it, it's like this game could be short and they could be run heavy. No, I'm not playing Breeze. And also Thomas. Thomas is out too. That's another factor. Now, it's worth noting the Panthers are hurting a cornerback. So I'm not trying to tell people don't take that Traquan Smith discount. I think Traquan Smith is a guy you want to have some, you know, I would use him liberally. Um, but I'd be careful not to just like free square him into every lineup that you have. I think that could come back and bite you a little bit. So I really want to get involved in this game, but the thing that I keep looking at is that the Saints should be able to run the ball really well and control this game. And that doesn't mean they're going to win it, by the way, because I think um, Carolina should be able to throw the ball fairly effectively here. And, you know, Bridgewater knows this defense a little bit. So, you know, just, just be careful. Um, I, I, there are a lot of pieces here that I like. I, I want some Kamara exposure. I want some Cook exposure. I want some Traquan exposure. And I want some Latavius Murray exposure. On the other side, I think Davis is a good play at running back. I, I can't quit Robbie Anderson at 6K. Uh, and I think DJ Moore's in play as, uh, as well. Nobody else on that side, though. Everybody else is dead wood. Uh, moving down to the Bills at Jets. This is a quick one. Look, the Bills... They need to get right. They need to get their quarterback right. I think this is a chance for them to do that. Uh, the Jets, the one thing the Jets do better than the average team, like the one thing they do, and it's just one thing, it's it's defensive line. They can handle the run, and occasionally they can get after the passer a little bit. They have a defensive line. So, you know, for Buffalo... I mean, I, you're going to throw. <laughs> you're going to throw against the Jets. You, you sort of have to. Um, the Jets are vulnerable to speed outside. The Bills don't really have that in the ground game. So, you know, to me, yeah, the Bills are going to end up running because they're going to end up having a lead. But I'm more concerned about how they're going to get that lead. And to me, it's going to be Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Josh Allen. So um, I'm, I've already put three Allen teams together. Um, I did an Allen Diggs, I did an Allen Davis, and I did an Allen Davis and Diggs. I may 
switch that around a little bit. I'm not sure, but right now that's what I have. Um, I'm definitely not going to get rid of any of my Allen lineups. I've got three. Uh, I, it's going to be three or more. Um, now, I mentioned the Jets. The bring back is difficult. Um, I am seeing now that Crowder is doubtful. I like that because I, he definitely wasn't going to be a good play this week. I wasn't going to touch him. But if he's out, I think Barrios at 3,200, that could be your bring back. It's just for what it's worth, if, if, if having a bring back in this game is something you really want to do, I think Barrios at 3,200 uh, could be an interesting uh, way to go about that. Um, uh, moving down to Dallas um, at Washington football team, uh, I'm not really touching anything on the Dallas side. I mean, certainly you can play Zeke, but he's expensive, and there's nothing left of that line. It's like everybody. I mean, the tackles, the center, the guard, I mean, it's like everybody. And they're going up against a really good defensive line. And they've got Dan, Andy Dalton at QB. This is just not a game where I want to get involved with Dallas. They're still priced up. I just, you know, unless you just want to go full contrarian, I just don't see why you would do it on the road. Uh, on the other hand, I think Washington football team defense at 2,500 units uh, could end up being the chalk, I think. Uh, and it's definitely going to probably be my most popular defensive play this week. The, the exception will be when I can get up to Tampa at 37, which I just love. Love Tampa this week. Going against an Oakland team that doesn't have its offensive line. Hello. I mean, your your ability to get strip sacks and fumble recoveries, picks, you know, just everything, everything you want. Really like the Tampa defense. Um, so, back to this game. Now, I think the Washington defense is a play. Um, but I don't think it's the only play. I mean, you could go after Gibson against the lightest defense he's played, Antonio Gibson at 5K. I don't know how much of that I'm going to do, but it's in play. Um, the obvious one is McLaurin at 5,800. It feels light. Now, granted, he's got QB problems, but Dallas has defensive problems that meet and exceed the QB deficiency on the Washington side. So I think McLaurin definitely is a piece you want to get involved in some of your teams. Uh, and then Logan Thomas at 3,500, just because Dallas is so bad and Thomas looked better last week, this is the kind of defense where he can do well against. They don't have a ton of athletes. Um... So I think Logan Thomas is, I mean, I don't, the problem is a cheap tight end isn't something I need this week, so I don't know how much I'll ultimately have, but I think he's a decent play. Uh, Moving down to Green Bay, Houston, uh, this is another game that I think is really important. This is one of the big three um, that I think most people are going to think of as the big three, Seattle, Arizona, Detroit, Atlanta, and Green Bay, Houston. Uh, Now this game is funky because and it's tough for me to even talk about it right now because of the injuries. But hey, this is my window, so we're going to talk about it now. Um, Aaron Jones is really the big, the big thing in this game. We don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, coach said he's more questionable than doubtful. Well, not exactly a ringing endorsement. It's a calf injury, um, which goes to the heart of Aaron Jones' effectiveness. He is an explosive short area athlete, um, and a lot of that comes from your calves. So this is not a good injury for him. Sounds like he's going to play, but I also think he's going to be on a, a snap count. I think I think he will be out of that game the minute they think it's either won or lost. And let's not forget that this is a player who doesn't play a ton of snaps anyway, given how good he is. I mean, you know, Jamal Williams plays a lot, even when Aaron Jones is 100%. And they've got a third back that I'm sure they'd like to get some touches to in A.J. Dillon. So I don't, as much as I'd like to say nobody's going to play Jones, maybe I'll play him. If it were a sore knee, I would do that. If it was a sore shoulder, um, you know, where they're like, nah, he can take it, he'll be fine, I would play him. Uh, You know, but a calf injury goes to what makes him good. That's going to be enough to scare me off. Not to mention calf injuries are easy to make worse. They're easy to re-injure. This is such a huge player for them. That they want this game. So it wouldn't surprise me if Jones was out there in some key places because they want to win the game. But again, the second this thing, they get a big lead, they'll take him out and keep him warm in case they need him kind of thing. So to me, Jones is extremely risky. But having said that, Houston's so mediocre on defense, I think Green Bay functions with or without Aaron Jones. Moreover, it's more targets for Jamal Adams, for MVS. Tanyan is also dinged up. And we've learned, by the way, that it's Tanyan, like Bunyan. 
So if Jones and Tunyon are out, then, you know, I think Adams and MVS sort of become smash options to me. So right there, I think you, you could you could you can do a double stack with Rodgers, and then the bringbacks from the other side are plentiful, right? Uh, if you're jammed for money, you could use Fells, uh, but Cooks at 52 works, Fuller at 68 works. Um, you know, either one of them it works works fine. So you could do a skinny stack or a double stack in this game, and then on the other side, Watson at 6800. You know, I sort of like the way that lines up against a lot of the other quarterbacks. Um, you know, Watson is a way to get yourself involved in a game that is not terribly difficult to play from a stacking standpoint. And then, you know, on the money side, he's, you know, 6,800. That's 200 cheaper uh, than Rodgers. You know, that's 900 cheaper than Josh Allen. It's 1,200 cheaper than Russell Wilson. So we, we can save a little money with Deshaun Watson. Um, we're in a game where he should be able to do pretty well. Uh, Green Bay can, you know, they can put Jair on one of these guys, but, you know, they're going to move Fuller around a little bit. So I'm not really scared for either one of Houston's receivers. Uh, and there's beautiful bringbacks on the Green Bay side. So if I'm stacking Deshaun, uh, I can put him with Fuller or or with Cooks or with both. And I can bring, you know, if I do both, I can bring back MVS on the cheap. If I do with Cooks only, I can afford to get to Adams. Um, so this is a game that is very friendly from a usage standpoint. It's easy to find ways to play it um, because we've got injuries on the Green Bay side. Touch distribution is thinner. Um, so this is a game really, I mean, I think if, if Jones and Tunyon are out, man, this, I just think this game becomes really easy to play. And when you've got other games that are going to draw ownership, I think this is just a game you want to be involved in. Um, and again, Vegas has this game. I mean, Green Bay, they have over 30. Now, if Jones is ruled out, maybe that comes down to 28 or something. I don't know. But, you know, a 30 implied point total for the Packers, and you look over on the other side of the field, and you got like 27 for Houston. Good God. I mean, Vegas has this game cleanly over 55 points. So don't forget about this game, I guess is what I'm saying. If you don't love it, you know, don't get too involved in it, but you know I do think this is a game that, at the end of the day, uh, it's a game that we're going to want to have been involved in. Let's move down to the four o'clock. So I'll try to hit this fairly quick. I don't think it's too nuanced until we get to the last two. Uh, Tampa at the Raiders. First of all, it's still a shot. This game doesn't get played. I think just a shot, although it's it's looking looking better. Um, I think you could look at Rojo here. I'm a little concerned that if the game becomes a blowout, they're going to get Fournette some work. You know, and, and it'll be easy to do. They just tap Rojo on the back and say, hey, you're our lead dog. You're out of here. And get Fournette some work. So I do think, you know, the idea that Tampa blows him out and Rojo gets the full run, I think that's a quick place to go to with your mind. I do think Fournette's potential problem there. So I may do a Rojo-Tampa stack, but I'm not going to do a couple of them, I don't think. Uh, what I do want to do is, once I know this game is in play, for sure, I want to find a way to work that Tampa defense into some of my lineups. Yeah, 37 is a lot of money, but getting to 37 this week is not hard. It's not hard at all. Um, the thing I'm concerned about is that I build too many lineups without them, then find out I want them, and I have to move too much of the furniture around. So I'm probably going to do some builds with them in there. I already have, let me see. Out of, out of my 10 builds. I've already got two of them. So I've already got some exposure. Um, a lot of Washington football team and Browns exposure as well. Um, and then, I mean, on the Oakland side, I'm sorry. I'm not touching a single player. I'm not even considering a single player. I am so worried that they're not going to be able to function. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. There's plenty of other places I'd rather be. Um, I, I don't understand the Vegas point total on Oakland 24. I, it just completely blows my mind. Um, and I, you know, I haven't updated that in a while. It, it's, I bet you anything it's lower now. But anyway, let's move down to KC uh, and Denver. Denver, obviously, some potential functionality problems. Um, but having said that, I think they have enough healthy pieces to function. I don't think they have to attack 
Kansas City down the field. In fact, I think they're going to try to maintain possession on some level. Um, so with Hamler healthy, with Patrick healthy, with Judy healthy, with Fant back in the lineup, I think Denver has enough talent. I, it's it's possible that they, they push that line, that they get to 20 points. If so, Kansas City would really be in play. Um, on the Kansas City side, I like, I, you know, Mahomes feels, you know, a little pricey at 74 for me. I think I'd rather gain access to him through the pieces. Um, I think Edward Solaire at 6,100 with Bell not being a big factor yet, I don't think, is a really good play. Um, I think Kelsey is going to be my tight end of choice this week as much as possible. Um, and Kelsey's, what, 63? Or is he 64? Uh, I hate it when I forget. Um, 63. So I'm going to have a lot of Kelsey. When I don't have Kelsey, I'll probably want to get another piece out of this game. Probably Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But I think Demarcus Robinson at 34 is a nice little piece to get some exposure to. Um, I also think if you wanted to maybe do a a little roster block and a GPP, you could do Demarcus and Tyreek. Not outrageous in a small field GPP. Um, so really, I think a lot of the Kansas City pieces are viable. Um, San Francisco um, Patriots. Here's a game I would prefer to avoid just because I think it's going to be a slog. Having said that, I think some minimal exposure to Cam could make sense because of all the freaking injuries on the San Francisco side of the ball on defense. Um, and then, you know, so you could consider some of their pieces. Um, Kittle, I, I just think there's such a good chance that the, the Patriots are going to say, we're taking Kittle, see what you can do without him, which would really kill us. So I don't know if I'm going to have Kittle exposure this week. I might just do Kelsey. But for the bold, if they go a different way and Kittle is available, he could have a big game. Now, other pieces on the San Francisco side, you know, certainly Debo Samuel's in play. Um, certainly, um, you know, Hasty at 4,200 is in play. Um you know, the pace of the game is the thing there. I think just, a, you know, just some... If you can find some lineups you really like that you could complete with Hasty, as long as you're willing to toss the money away, I think he's a really interesting play. Like, on the off chance that he sort of catches fire, you could end up with an 18 touchback for 4,200 units, and he has a couple touchdowns. So, I you know, I think some tactical exposure to Hasty makes some sense. Um... And then Ayuk as well is another guy you could maybe get a little exposure to him. Just be really careful not to overexpose yourself to any San Francisco pieces. Uh, and on the New England side of the ball, other than Cam, I don't think there's really anything I can go after. Uh, Jacksonville, um, L.A. Chargers. I feel like the Jacksonville point total might be high. Uh, I feel like the L.A. total might be high. Um, I think L.A.'s going to function well in this game. And I think, you know, some exposure to any one of their guys makes sense. Keenan at 62, Mike Williams at 47, Hunter Henry at 45. Uh, but the piece I really like in this game is Justin Jackson at 4,900 because um, I think they're going to control the game. I think he has that gig. The, the bigger side of it, we talked about this earlier. You know, I think he could be 70-30, 60-40, something like that. And if he gets 70-30, I think he's a great buy at 4,900. So am I going to have Justin Jackson in 40% of my teams? No, probably not, but 20 20, 25, something like that. And then on the Jacksonville side of the wall, if I'm building Herbert stacks, then I would probably bring back Shark because Shark's price tag is so low. Um, standalone Shark, I don't know how much of that I'm going to have. I will have some FOMO, though, without it because I think Shark might be a good play here. The problem is I just feel like both teams pace down so much that even he could do well, but still not really pay off enough. Okay, getting down to this last game, and I know I've taken longer on the slate walk than I wanted to take, uh, already at 40 minutes, but we got time. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. So, the thing I keep coming back to in this game, and I don't think this is a theory. I've seen enough of it now that we talked about this last year, but what Arizona tends to do, is they play fairly low-risk offense. They run, they throw short little 
little little passes. You know, they tend to throw passes outside the numbers because Kyler isn't real good at throwing over the line. So most of his passes, you know, they're thrown outside the tackles, outside the numbers. And a lot of his passes are thrown outside the pocket. Meanwhile, Seattle's a team, you know, I sort of like attacking them down the field. Um, so what Arizona tends to do is they sort of, they hunt and peck, they sort of, they, they, they peck at you for about two-thirds of the game. And slowly but surely, Kyler tires out defensive linemen. He's just running all over the place, and he tires these teams out. And then you see more aggressive production towards the end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. You see him running away from these guys, making them look stupid. So I sort of like the Kyler play. I'm not sure about the rest of this Arizona offense. I've seen some smart people telling me that Kirk has a tough matchup, just the way it it rolls out. I think JM to win was breaking that down um, pretty pretty well, saying that Kirk maybe not as good as it appears on paper. Meanwhile, on the Seattle side, you've got an approach where Arizona defends downfield passing pretty well. You really want to attack them in the short areas, and that's not what Seattle does. Meanwhile, if you're Seattle, and we know Pete Carroll thinks this way, we know he does, okay? Seattle is going to look at this quarterback and say, we don't want Kyler Murray running around for three quarters tiring our team out and then owning us in the fourth quarter. We're the people who own people in the fourth quarter. That's dangerous, okay? Because if both teams are trying to set up the fourth quarter, they could be hurting us for three, right? Now, granted, we've seen Seattle come out and fix everything in the fourth quarter. They can do it. So you could sit here and hate life for three quarters, and then Seattle comes out in the fourth quarter and they pay off. But for things to really work, it helps to have four useful quarters of action. So when you look at this game, and everybody and their mother is going to be in it, but we have you know at least three other games that I think you could compare to it in terms of you know appeal. And you look at that psychology. I mean, look, we all know we like having players active at the end. There's a, a, obvious reasons why we like it. It's emotionally fulfilling when you have people active at the end and you're being chased or chasing. So I think a lot of people are going to fall into that. Oh, it's going to be fun to have a lot of players going on Sunday Night Football and all the slates are going to be coming to a head at the same time and I'm going to have action. Yeah, well, I mean, that's nice if you're in it. (laughs) It's not so great if you're not. So, look, I'm going to have locket exposure for sure. You know... In addition to that, I'm sure I'll have a little bit of DK Metcalf. Uh, But I think the piece that I really like in this game, and I'm not going to go hog wild on it, because to some extent, fading the game can achieve the same effect. But I think Carson in this game, again, because I think Seattle would love to control the football. I think they want to score on every drive, of course. Um, And I'm not saying they won't take shots downfield if they think that's the play in a given moment. But I think an overarching strategy for them might be, let's possess the football. Because we know we can kick ass in the fourth quarter, but we don't want them to be in that same position. And if they can save their defense a little bit throughout the game, and if they can just not let Kyler Murray own them in the fourth quarter, they'll be in good shape. I mean, Kyler Murray's been killing people in the fourth quarter with his legs. So, be careful. And I haven't mentioned it yet, but this is a divisional game, right? And when we, you know, let's look across at these games, right? Seattle at Arizona, now that's a divisional game. Green Bay at Houston, that's an inter, that's one conference versus another. Forget about a division game, we like that, right? Detroit and Atlanta, non-divisional game. Steelers, Tennessee, non-divisional game. So, you know, one thing to think about is maybe just stay away from the divisional game, play the non-divisional games that, that Vegas seems to like at a similar level, it's not the scariest thing. It's not the, not the worst idea in the world. I'm not trying to keep you off of Seattle, Arizona. I think there's plenty of reasons to be on it. I will, to some extent, be on it. I will have some Kyler teams. I will have a Russ team or two. Because it's not hard to get to Russ this week. I just think the game environment might be a little trickier than we think because of all these other factors. These teams are also going to play each other again, right? 
coming up in a few weeks, I think. So, you know, these coaches could give a flying fuck about us. They don't, they don't, you know, they'll feel each other out for a half. They don't care that they're just eating our clock. <laughs> they don't care. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to scare you off of this game. I've been looking at this game all week. I've been excited about it. I want to play it. I'm going to play it. But I'm going to play it in a little bit more of a reserve fashion than I thought. I'm going to have a little bit of a focus on Carson. Um, I'm probably not going to get involved in the Arizona running backs, even though Drake is well-priced. I just don't see how he fits into this game. I mean, last week, you know, we knew who he was going up against. I mean, don't, I mean, in seasonal, Drake's an okay play. I mean, a little bit of exposure to Drake based on the price alone, that's okay. The problem is, and we're going to get to it, there's so many other backs now. Like, earlier in the week, I'm like, oh, Drake at 48, that's interesting. But, in fact, you know what, let's pivot away from this game right now, and we'll just sort of start there. Just look at these running backs. So, you know, we've got Drake at 48, but as we mentioned, we've also got Geo at 45. We may have Jamal Williams playing at 4K without Aaron Jones. We've got Justin Jackson at 4,900. We've got Hasty at 42. We've got Latavius Murray at 48. Man, that's a lot of inexpensive running backs you might be able to tap into. And then, you know, on the other side, at, at, at the wide receiver position, we've got Traquan at 4. We've got Gabe Davis at, what, 36? That's crazy. Deontay at 42, MVS at 41 in a game where the targets might be thinned down and Devontae is playing. That's the perfect MVS setup. When he when we know he's going to get targets and Devontae is out there demanding double coverage, opening up half the field. MVS scoring long touchdowns in this game is so in play. I mean, doesn't mean I'm not saying put him in every lineup, okay? But he's a, he's a viable factor. And then we get to Marcus Robinson at 34. And this is, I'm, these are just some of the ones I like. There are other ones out there, okay? And, you know, people aren't stupid. These, <laughs> these guys are going to be playing. There's going to be a lot of volume on some of these guys. So, you know, again, Latavius, Geo, Drake, Jamal Williams, Justin Jackson, Hasty, Traquan Smith, Gabriel Davis, Deontay, MVS, Demarcus. These are cheap plays. So that leads me into my next point that I want to make. And I think what can... The way lineup construction can sort of evolve or devolve or however you want to say it on a week like this, I was looking at it and I, I noticed that I was doing it myself and I sort of caught myself. It, it can create sort of flyover sections in the player pool, okay? So don't forget the wide receiver plays that are in the 5K range because I think when we start getting running, when we start playing 4K running backs and low 4K and 3K level receivers, in our mind, the whole reason to do that is to jump up and get a bunch of elite plays in our lineup. And the only, I mean, that's fine, but what I don't want you to do is forget about these guys in the middle. If, if, if you only work the extremities in all your lineup builds this week, you're going to miss out on McLaurin. You're going to miss out on Claypool, on Higgins, on Cooks, on DJ Moore, on Ty Boyd, on DJ Shark, right? These are plays, you know, I'm not saying we have to make all those plays. There's a lot of guys there. But these are guys we don't want to forget to think about. So, you know, think about combo builds. Think about not using too many cheap guys, but always using some. And don't create flyover players. Don't create a big section of the player pool that you're skipping over because you've paid down so far that you have to do you have to do full payups at the other positions. And if you love the payups and you love the paydowns, that's okay. But you have to be careful about paying down so much that you don't have enough volume in your lineup, right? Got to be greedy. Don't you know? Don't forget about the floor. Don't get so you know, preoccupied with ceiling that we forget about, uh, excuse me, don't get so preoccupied with floor that we forget that we need value and ceiling. And these pay down options tend to come up a little short on both. So don't, don't pay yourself down, down, down. Your score ends up being down, down, down. Unless, you know, if, unless all of your payups hit big. Okay. So, as I mentioned, this is sort of one of those, particularly with the receivers, it's a big sky field where there's so much goodness in your mind. You want to sort of find, yeah, I want to, I want to find a way to play it all. And, you know, I'm not a mass entry guy and I don't have enough money to play all the lineups I want to play and all this. You know, 
You have to be careful trying to capture too much. You can't capture everything. You're going to miss a play here or there, right? You know, for anybody who's ever tried to take like a lemon or an orange peel and just squeeze it between your fingers, you can't. Eventually it slips out. Don't get yourself into that kind of situation where you're trying to, you're trying to squeeze the lemon seed. It's much better to just find all the best ways to lock in volume and to correlate and to create lineups that actually work, right? So, you know, guys like Devontae Adams, guys like, you know, Kamara or Murray, we know there's volume there. Kyler Murray, we know there's volume there. Robbie Anderson, I think, is a guy where we can count on some volume. Uh, and there's plenty of others. A lot of these running backs like Mike Davis, um, Kareem Hunt. You know, so don't forget that we need a lot of volume. We need a lot of upside. Um, here, here's a couple things I jotted down. Sort of back to Robbie Anderson for a second on one of these. Um, Robbie plus Traquan Smith will cost you 10K. I thought that was sort of interesting. Uh, Demarcus Robinson plus Tyreek Hill in your lineup only costs 9800 MVS plus Cooks, 9300 So, you know, those are some combinations that I thought were sort of interesting. Okay, so I wanted this thing to be under an hour, including a slate walk and hitting a bunch of these sort of random thoughts that I had. And gosh, we still have like almost eight minutes left, I think. So this is going to be very lightning round. And I don't think there's anybody that I'm about to, to rip off here that I haven't already mentioned. So I'm going to go sort of quick through this. But basically, we're just going to go through each position. I'm going to give you an idea of what my board looks like right now, that the guys that I'm really considering. Um, and I'm not going to hit every name that I've mentioned. And again, the focus of my lineup building this week is going to be very, well, f focused. I'm going to be focusing on game environments. Um, so really, those four big games are probably going to dictate a lot of my exposure. But these are all players I'd like to have exposure to. Um, in the end, I'm sure some of these guys are going to fall through the cracks. But uh, a quarterback, certainly Kyler is probably going to be my most owned, along with like Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, I think. But I definitely like the idea of some rust teams. Mahomes, as I mentioned before, I'm a little bit a little bit concerned about. I don't know what the weather's going to go like there. If the wind ends up being low and the snow ends up being minimal accumulation, uh, Mahomes is going to sort of move back into my, um, you know, my line of sight, if you will. I'll probably end up building some Mahomes teams, um, but I'm going to be using his pieces, I think, either way. Um, uh, Josh Allen, definitely um, on the board. Uh, Matt Stafford, I may end up building a team or two on. Um, Herbert, uh, Burrow. Um, I think Burrow more likely than Herbert. Herbert's one of those things where I want to get to him. I don't know if I will um, in terms of like how many teams I'm going to build. So again, Russ, Kyler, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Stafford, Deshaun, Herbert, and Burrow. Um, I think almost all my teams are going to come from that group. Um, running back, Hunt probably the guy I'll have on more teams than anybody. Um, again, I'm trying to figure out how I want to sort of divvy up um, my my Kamara and my Murray exposure. I want some of each. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, definitely a guy I'm very comfortable putting into some teams. I like the price on him. He could be interesting on a slick field if they have one. Um, Chris Carson, we talked about why I want to get some exposure to Carson. Certainly, I think three or four lineups with him is likely. Mike Davis, uh, I'm probably not as high on Davis on a matchup-based play as some other people, but I love his floor. I love his workload. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I think, has got an Another good matchup. Uh, James Connors, a guy I'm very comfortable with, and we didn't even really get into the big paydown names, right? Other than Lat, I think Geo's a guy I'm going to have significant exposure to. Justin Jackson, I hope to have significant exposure to. Um, over to the receivers, and I mean, <laughs> this is like a cut down version. I mean, I, had to, I there's like ten names cut off of this list, um, but I definitely I think Galladay may be at the top of my list in terms of receivers I want exposure to. Just you know, uh, apart from game environment and all the other stuff, I want Galladay exposure this week. Um, Julio and Ridley, that combination definitely is going to get into this mix. Julio, I really like this week. Um, but I think I'm going to have stacks with Galladay, with Julio, Galladay, with Ridley. Um, 
where I have Stafford, I will expand that. Um, McLaurin is a guy I really want to have on some teams this week um, in GPPs. He could be, he's cash viable too, really. Um, DK and Lockett is going to be a little bit like the AK Latavius Murray thing. I'm going to have to, you know, unless I'm running a Russ stack, there's no way I'm going to have both of them in a lineup, I don't think. Um, and they cost a lot. Um, and I'm, you know, I've been going back and forth on this. I, in a general, Game environment, the way Arizona likes to play, I feel like it tilts towards Lockett. Um, Metcalf may have the better single matchup, but I could be facing a lot of doubles. Um, I may split the baby there. I don't know, but I definitely want some DK exposure and some Lockett exposure. I want some Robbie Anderson exposure. I would like some T. Higgins exposure. Probably will have to do with whether I make any Burrow lineups. Um, I think Claypool and Deontay, definitely I'm struggling with how much of each one of them do I want. Um... Adams MVS is another one. Unless I'm building game stacks with Rodgers, I'm going to have to make a choice there. I'm starting to sort of feel like I may end up taking more shots at MVS, which are, and that's definitely taking shots. I just like when you look at his cost and the way this thing lines up. Um, Adams should have Roby on him. You know, I'll have some Adams lineups for sure. I'll probably end up with more MVS, um, Fuller or Cooks. Fuller has the tougher matchup. Cooks has the better price, so I may end up sort of veering towards Cooks there. Um, again, I think OBJ is a good play this week. Steph Diggs, I didn't talk a lot about him outside of the concept of those stacks. I think Diggs is a really strong play this week. Um, and then additionally, Gabriel Davis on that team is a cheaper option. Other cheaper options, Traquan Smith, Demarcus Robinson. I don't know if I'm going to get to any Demarcus, but I, I thought he was just interesting price-wise based on the load he's been carrying. Um, I mean, he's been getting a lot of field time. Um, and, you know, last week we, we, we saw it, and he's, he's been close on a couple touchdowns. So, you know, um, I think Berrios and DeMarcus, if you're looking to go, like, all the way down, those guys could have some appeal. Um, over at tight end, Kelsey is the guy I want to get up to as much as possible. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think, could work his way into a fair amount of those game stacks um, with Detroit Atlanta. Hunter Henry, I think, is a good value. Logan Thomas, I think, is a good value. Njoku, I think, is an interesting play if you want to pay down. And um, and, and Jared Cook, I think, with Michael Thomas out, with uh, Emmanuel Sanders out, I think Cook is a pretty good price-considered um, option. Uh, at defense, I think I was pretty clear, you know, Tampa, uh, the Browns at 28, and then football team at 25. I think most of my ownership will be in those three teams. And that's sort of my board. Um, the question is, what, you know, lineup construction is going to end up moving me around here, just how all this stuff fits together. Um, again, in terms of teams I've constructed so far, I've got a lot of Allen lineups, I've got a lot of Kyler lineups, uh, I've got two Russ lineups, I doubt I'll expand much on that. Um, and uh, I've got Rogers lineups, um, one Deshaun lineup, I plan on doing some more of him. Um, and, you know, I think I'm going to end up around 20 lineups. And I'm, I'm going to really enjoy um, this week in terms of my preparation uh, and building. It's been a lot of fun. The question is, am I going to enjoy post-lock? Hopefully I will. Anyway, you can hear it. My voice is finally just absolutely going. Um, I'm going to go have some tea or something like that. Um, good luck to everybody this week. Uh, I hope you found this podcast useful. Um, anything you can do to spread the word, obviously, um, is always appreciated. I'd like to thank um, the two donors we had last week. Not a big week, but hey, two's better than nothing. Um, and, uh, you know, as I always say, onward and upward. Hopefully uh, I'll see some of you guys in the winter circle tomorrow night. Giddy up. Look at them on the run The carnival traffic noise is in